Wednesday, Loretta Young stars in a touching Christmas story as a mother struggling to bring her family together for the holidays in Christmas Eve, Wednesday. Everybody, my name is Andrew, and I'm Mark, and you are listening uh, to Television Movie Night, wrapping up a monumental 2021. We did it. We made it, everybody. Yeah, we did Congrats something, all right, you folks. And yours. You did it. It's this is on your shoulders. Take that as you will. You fought hard for whatever you believed in. And now here we are. Mark, I was listening to uh, our last episode of 2020 and we what made did we watch. We watched Home for the Holidays. A, I don't uh, even remember which a one that is. Holiday Slasher starring Sally Field and Jessica oh, yeah. Walter. Yeah, that was a fun one. And Walter Brennan. Uh, and at the top of the show, we made a bet with each other uh, at three to two odds if 2021 was going to be better than 2020. Where well, what what is Vegas telling us? Was it better or worse? Uh, it, the jury is still out because it's we got a few more days. We still got a couple. We got we got a week, and there is a strong dark horse <laughs> in the wind right it's now. Much worse that uh, could absolutely tip the scale one way or another. So unfortunately, we can't tell you who won that bet yet. But uh, I thought as I was listening to it today, I was like. Ah, yeah, it's very precedent. Very, very precedent. Pres- well, Andrew, precedent. Andrew, I was listening to our Rudy episode. Uh, Rudy. Rudy. The Rudy Giuliani story, yes. And I had to check the record date on it because it starts with an extended jag about people not wanting to get vaccinated. Yes, I do. I, I was... And I was so confused. <laughs> I forget why we were talking about that, but we recorded was, that in 2019. As I recall, a coworker of ours had kind of let everybody know that the flu vaccine is a hoax. Oh yes, I think I think <laughs> I do kind of remember this. And so we were like, "All right, this is what we're thinking about right now." It's it you know it's 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 like poetry; it rhymes. It's it rhymes. just. Now we just have to kill ourselves. Now, now I just have to get COVID. <laughs> uh, Mark, it is. Uh, this is the week of Christmas. Uh, how how are you? Uh, how are you for holiday plans? Are you ready? Do you have all your Christmas shopping done? Any I have happy returns, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera? I have the majority of Christmas uh, presents purchased. Mm-hmm. I got something for you, Andrew. Oh, <laughs> you might like it. <laughs> starts with an o mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and ends with macron macron uh yeah it that's uh <laughs> it's gift of the magi over here because <laughs> i got you something similar i already got it <laughs> <laughs> i have these beautiful combs and all i had to do is just get omicron <laughs> um yes i have heard i've done my christmas shopping I have uh, not yet. I didn't get a tree, mm-hmm. but I did put up lights. Mm-hmm. One light bulb. Yes, right. I put one light bulb in my apartment. I've never had lights in there. It just, <laughs> the sun would go down, and I, like a bird, I'd be like, "Well, I guess it's bedtime." And they're like, "Mark, it's only five You're like, "Yeah, I know." I said it's bedtime. Bedtime is very early in December. 
Uh, and it's also one of those the, bul- the bulbs just caught. Yeah. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> it's one of those bulbs that are just constantly swinging as well. So the shadows are just leaning back yeah, and forth. Very straight. <laughs> It looks like the Joker uh, is occupying this space. <laughs> uh, all right, so you got lights up, no tree though, but you have most of your presence. Who do you? Who's still outstanding? Who do you still have to get for here on my, December eighteenth? My goddamn brother. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, uh, gift cards are always nice. Everybody yeah. loves gift cards. I actually think he's going to get a um, a popcorn popper. And I can say this because it's not Michael. It's Tony, the other brother. The, uh, the one who yeah. doesn't listen. So, so I can say so I just I run this guy down. Yeah. <laughs> this son of a bitch. Michael, if you're listening, don't spoil the surprise. Don't tell Tony I hate him. Mark's coming up with new insults to roll out on Saturday. <laughs> It'll be great. <laughs> Yeah, piece of shit. Fuck you. <clears throat> a popcorn popper. Like, By the way, those, how do you like those... that lasagna? Is that is that is it, is it working? It too for much? You? Is it too many layers? I I is tried ricotta? a new thing. I tried a new sauce, and I I'm I'm not sure how I feel about it. One of those big ones with the wheels and stuff on it, no, or like a no, little, no, not like that. <laughs> I have a friend who has one of those big ones. It's cool. Is it cool or is it kind of weird? I mean, it's one of those things, like, he has a place to put it. He has a, he has, like, a big furnished basement, so, like, he oh. makes, you know, it's, it, yeah, I, having it in an, in a, a standard Los Angeles apartment would be weird. <laughs> People would assume that you got fired from a carnival, right? Yes, they're like, like, all right. I took so, what I could. <laughs> nothing that wasn't nailed down. I got a big helium tank in the bedroom as well, and uh, the cotton candy machine, that's in my trunk. If you want, if you want to go on the uh, whatever the scrambler, give me two hours notice because it's really just six <laughs> screws holding that thing together. And guess who's got five of them? <laughs> uh, uh, okay, popcorn popper. So you're thinking you're like a little one, like yeah, a, like a standing yeah. sort of, you know, sort of fun. I don't know. You're right. It sucks. No, it's fun. No, he's got he's like got kids, fun. and I. It's fun, or 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 you get them an air popper. Those are yeah, fun too. those are fun. I Look, wanna, I, I, wanna... I bought I bought somebody a Casper pillow for that's Christmas. a good pillow, and it's I think it's a good pillow. I don't know how it's going to go over because it's a uh, it's a practical gift. Uh, Casper pillows they're also not cheap, as far as no. pillows go. I mean, I don't want to tout how much I spent on it, but yeah, you're compared to a you go to Target and you're just like yeah, you're not that buying one. A, yeah. You're yeah. not buying them a $10 target pillow. You're buying them a good pillow that they're going to rest on every night. I think that's a great gift. Well, act surprise, Mark. Andrew, you spend, <laughs> you spend uh, three quarters of your life asleep in bed. Yeah, on a good day. Like uh, so, <laughs> you know. I mean, technically you'd have to, you have to drain the piss bucket, but uh <laughs> Oh man, uh, I've, been right. for, I've been up for six and a half hours. I better get some shut eye. It's dark outside. Time for bed. Uh, all right. Well, uh, no, a popcorn popper is a fun gift, especially if they, if, if I, I like, I, if 
your brother has a family. It's a thing to do with his kids. Exactly. You have movie night, you make it in, instead of doing microwave popcorn, you make the actual popcorn, you put the oil in it and you make the butter and it's a whole thing. And it's delicious. And it's delicious. And you get them a bunch of seasoning salts. And that's what I would pair with it. Do you get to get one of those variety packs of popcorn seasoning salts? Now, now it's a thoughtful gift. Um, I like the idea of someone opening a gift and looking at me and then me saying, it's fun (laughs) for kids, you know, (laughs) expectantly like get off my ass. You know how hard it is to find a Brookstone nowadays. Jesus Christ. (laughs) I've already given you all the vibrating chairs I could find. uh all right well hopefully he doesn't already have one that would be the biggest kick in the pants imagine oh that's right i haven't checked yeah imagine him opening uh, opening up somebody else's gift and it's a it's it's the big huge popcorn popper yeah and and you're like fuck fuck. now you're trying to sneak it out as you're like fumbling through your wallet you're like i think i think this i think this coffee bean card still has like seven bucks on it merry christmas Speaking of Merry Christmas, Mark. Yes. Television movie night. Your home and resource for made for TV movies in the month of December. Of course, we've been watching Christmas movies because there ain't a lot of pandemic movies yet. made for TV yes. yet. I'm working on it. Uh, this time around. Well, I'll take that back. Uh, over the course of December this year, we have watched uh, The Night They Saved Christmas. Yes. And the man who saved Christmas. We were getting more specific. But now we're here. That magical date. And we watched uh, a movie entitled Christmas Eve. Much like uh, the major league sequels. You see, in the first one, they win the division pennant. Yeah. And then the second one, they win the league pennant. Yeah, a little closer every time. Yeah. So we're getting closer and closer to Christmas here. So we, so we can save it. Now, Andrew, <clears> I watched <throat> Christmas Evil. I hope that's Ooh, not an issue. That uh, that probably not. We'll see. Should be, should be roughly the same, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Uh, but we watched Christmas Eve from 1986, and we're going to talk about it at length in a segment I like to call, well, <laughs> what do you know? Mark, Christmas Eve premiered on nbc on december 22nd 1986 boy that had to be confusing right i'm already confused they said well no it's the christmas eve is the 24th they're like no but it's on the 22nd this year they say what <laughs> who are the ad wizards who are the ad wizards that came up with this one uh christmas eve starring a cast of thousands uh we have loretta young mark yes a uh this is the incredible actress of the silver screen andrew i know loretta young specifically from the loretta young show uh where she would come into a room in a beautiful gown spin around in circles and then read a letter from her fans and she would say this reminds me of this story and then the loretta young players would perform a story that tangentially was connected to the art it was it was in the early days of television where i'm pretty sure it fooled everybody where everybody was like how do they do that like wow she opens a a letter and they automatically know what to perform and they have the costumes for it 
That's amazing. It's weird. It's, it's I mean, I'm, I'm not one to call Loretta Young a liar, but it's, it's impressive. This television thing is, I think, is going to stick around. She doesn't even say the name of the story they're going to perform. She, everybody just seems to know the one she's thinking of. Well, I mean, it, it, Mark, there are certain stories that you and I like to trot out consistently. And I wonder if they were just around Loretta Young long enough to be like, all right, she's going to tell the fucking story. Where she went to the, Here we go. <laughs> where she went to the deli and they gave her extra, they gave her pastrami on rye and she wanted it on wheat and she made a big stink about it and blah, then, blah, 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 blah. then later on she realized she actually did order the other thing and she felt kind of bad she didn't go apologize for it she just never no. went to that deli again she wrote she wrote a very angry letter to her friend the mayor and uh, the place was burned <laughs> down yeah and if you if you've been around her you know that story you know it by heart so when she reads a story about if if, if the keywords sandwich deli arson (laughs) show up in the letter guess what story she's thinking of they're like get the arson set get that ready talk to our special effects guys loretta young also however uh in movies such as the stranger yes with orson wells i've seen that one the farmer's daughter (laughs) <laughs> this reminds me of a joke. All right, so uh, traveling sales. Yeah, right? get the players ready. And uh, the bishop's wife. This reminds me of another joke. All right, so. Uh, <laughs> she's also, very, she's patronly, right? But, uh, but boy, does she have? Does she like to do some other things while he's uh, praising the Lord? Also starring Arthur Hill from the, Andro- the Andromeda Strain and A Bridge Too Far. And then also starring Trevor Howard from The Third Man. I've definitely seen that movie. The uh, teleplay on this was written by Blanche Hanalis, who wrote for Little House on the Prairie and also Matinee Theater. Oh, that's cute. Uh, story credits from Hanalis and Lawrence Stallings, which is weird because he died in the 60s so i wonder if this is just in a like a diary that he had or something some stories live on forever you know lawrence stallings wrote uh she wore a yellow ribbon and song of the west oh i like she wore a yellow ribbon uh also uh story credit uh to richard landau who wrote the black hole i feel like he's he this isn't the first time we've seen someone who's had a writing credit on the black hole. Yeah, so we've often. talked about the black hole definitely before the uh, 1980 Disney film. That the was a big mess. Big famous flop, which makes me think that they kicked that script around to a bunch of different people and then trying to clean it up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, also, a uh, writer on the Six Million Dollar Man. He wrote a bunch of other episodes of television. Uh, this was directed by Stuart Cooper. Cooper, Cooper, uh, who directed a a Don Johnson miniseries called The Long Hot Summer, and also played Roscoe Lever in The Dirty Dozen. All right, I like he, the Dirty he, Dozen. He is not I one. Like of, he's Don not Jones. one of the dozen. I looked. He's not. Oh, he's one just of, another dude. <laughs> he's just. He's. He's like uh, part of the Baker's dozen, I guess, but he's not part of the twelve. I can't imagine you would throw away a name like Roscoe Lever on someone who wasn't in the dozen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, based on the commercial, Mark, uh, which seemed very saccharine. Oh, I thought you... you were going to say that this movie was based on a commercial. <laughs> yeah, it was based on a Polaroid commercial that was airing at the time. I was like, all right, sure. I mean, uh, we did... uh, an old dower, <laughs> an old lady would just go and take pictures of homeless people and say, yeah. you'll do better. Let's make this into a thing. Uh based on the commercial uh the the trailer the teaser that we had at the beginning of the episode uh what did you think the movie was going to be about other than i thought it was going to be about a sweet older woman Mm -hmm. who wants to reunite her children on christmas and um you know everybody has these er there's all this tension within the family she does everything she can to make everything to smooth everything out because it's Christmas. People are initially reluctant, but by the end they come back and they say, you know what? It is Christmas. You made a big step forward in trying to bring us all back together. I love it. I love you. Forgiveness, forgiveness, family, um, family, family, breakfast, bre- uh, <laughs> Christmas time is here. And then it's over. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was going to be something similar. I thought she was going to, I, you know, it seemed like she's like, I've only got a couple more Christmases left. Uh, uh, what was the name of that movie that we saw? A Christmas Hobo. Yes. She sends out the, the call. Across, yep. She sends out the call, the call across the country. All the kids come back. Maybe they, they squabble with each other, but then it all you know then at christmas they all realize well this is what it's all about well we're here so fuck it i guess and they're like a popcorn maker yay cool. Thanks. <laughs> yay there's, there's just a garage filled with them they're like he doesn't remember <laughs> that he gives me this every year and every year i asked did you keep the receipt and he said no no as you take a wadded Why piece of paper I? take a wadded piece of paper and just put it in your mouth there's no proof. <laughs> All right. Well, let's see if we were right. Act one of Christmas Eve. I show up and I'm grumpy because I'm like, I'm not going to church. Don't ask me to go with you to midnight mass. Oh, but and it's then, such a good, it's so, it's the reason for the season, dear. And then people guilt me into it and I go and I feel weird about it. And I'm like, ah, this is where you're supposed to kneel, honey. I know I I did this for 12 years, 15 years through fucking school. I I know the beats of it, but I just it it I don't want to I I just I would just I want to just watch uh, a Christmas story on TV. Now you're not going to wear your mask when we go up to get communion, are you? You're absolutely right. I'm going to wear my mask when I get communion. I will. They don't put it in your. Don't put it in my mouth. Put it in my hands. Mm, that's not how we do it here oh yeah that's the other thing too is then you go to an unfamiliar church and then they like they're like you got to drink some of the wine too and i'm like i'm good i'm not i don't the the whole wipe of the cup it doesn't work for me i'm not gonna drink the wine Sorry. are you familiar with the game suck and blow oh, okay all right that's enough that's how we do the communion wafer someone at the very front we pass it all the way to the guy in the back and all the way to the guy in the back and you just keep doing it for each person Communion takes 16 hours. <laughs> As the Lord wanted. 
Act one. It's uh, Central Park in the winter, Mark. We all there's love a very, it. There's a very nice, very elaborate hand drawing mm-hmm. of this image. Uh, because our opening image is Central Park in the winter. Some lake is frozen over, it looks like. There's trees. There's a very delicately done, hand-drawn, uh, pencil drawing of this. I point this out because by the end of the movie, you can tell that they had kind of run out of steam. Yeah. And they're like, it becomes very impressionistic where he's like, I don't know, what is this lady like? She likes rollerblading? Great. All right, big head. We're going to put skates on her. At the end of each of the act breaks, they do this. Yeah, this but by the end, sketch. they seem to have lost steam. <clears throat> like uh, a couple circles here. And there you go. It's the lady's I mean, it's face. what you think it is. It's like one of those guys that paints upside down and then he turns it over and you're like, oh, that's crazy. But this is like we kept it upside down. So take a guess as to who you think this is. It's Christmas time, however. The snow's on the ground. Uh, Fa-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-
No, but she's got a she's got a shopping cart just full of money and cats. And she's like, huh, <laughs> no one's going to bother me. I'm white. Well, she's right about that. Well, I guess that is true. <laughs> Andrew, it turns out, is uh, uh, runs part of the Kingsley Enterprise Empire, who I assume they make. I'm assuming this is like Lockheed Martin and they just make weapons for the military. And well, they talk about if it's if it's uh, if it's evil, it's a Kingsley. <laughs> like we're we're doing some impressive stuff with opioids uh, in a couple <laughs> of years. We're going to have a really, really nice product. I think I think I think you're going to be surprised at what we can what we might be able to get away with here. Uh. But it turns out that while the board and Andrew control 49% of uh, the, uh, the stake in the company, Amanda herself solely owns 51%. Gotcha. Because her husband died. And Under mysterious circumstances. <laughs> he was found inside several cats. You can't, you can't, there's no body. He's, the body's gone. Inside the cats. Find the proof. Uh, and I think he might still be alive. That's a good guess. Because if you can't find 100% of a body, then maybe he's out there, 70% of him's out there at least. Yeah. Uh, 51% of the stake, though, is in Amanda's name. The board wants to boot some tenement dwellers in order to build some condos because, you know, fucking, we're evil. It's Christmas. <laughs> thank God, we, thank God we've grown past that. That was just a dark time in 1986. Now housing is affordable. Plentiful and, plentiful and affordable. Yes, we can. Uh, there's, I can't walk down the street without somebody offering me uh, like a three bedroom ranch for like 250. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm over leveraged. I already have. I already have two. I can't. I mean, a third one would be nice. That would be nice. Cause that could be like my, that could be my private getaway. I already yeah. have the family getaway. I need my own getaway. Oh, by the way, I also have a family cause I can afford that. That's true too. And uh, they're healthy as well. Cause I, we can go to the doctor. <clears throat> Life sucks. Amanda and her butler, Maitland, uh, head back out into the city and feed some homeless people. And uh, later, when she talks to her maid, Maria, who I feel like whatever notes Stuart Cooper gave her, boy. More ethnic, I think, was probably his note. <laughs> Because uh, she is from Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico, yes. And uh, reminds us of that. And I like how they talk to her like uh, they, they're very condescending in the way they speak to her. Because you're like, Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Like, it, it is a, part of the U.S., yes. It's a territory of the United States. I but have to they're imagine. Like, you're just not accustomed to America yet. <laughs> we use dollars here. It's like we've. We, we do that too. We get we also get American television as well. Yeah, I understand. With all yeah. of your customs here for Christmas. And they're like, I can't understand you with that thick accent. <laughs> Speaking speak American. She's like I am. Parlez-vous inglés? Well, that's French. <laughs> You're adorable, Maria. All right, I'm gonna go make some more hamburgers. Okay, bye. None of that ethnic food. Yeah, it's, it's too hamburger. spicy. 
I don't know what you're eating French, down there. Hamburgers and French fries for Christ's sake. When 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 they mean spicy, they mean I put salt in it. <laughs> <laughs> she reveals. Uh, <clears throat> Amanda reveals to Maria that she misses her three grandchildren because they've been out in about in the world uh, for a while now because they had a big falling out with their father, Andrew. Uh, Andrew, if you had to guess off the top of your head, yes, how many, who, what name has resulted in worse characters, Mark or Andrew? Because anytime I'm watching a movie and somebody's named Mark, I'm like, fuck this guy. This guy's going (laughs) to suck. And I think in several of the TV movies we've watched, like Mark has turned out to be a real piece of work. Well, I, uh, yeah. Don't name your hero, Mark. You don't even, well, Mark, Mark can be like an everyman. Andrew is not an everyman. The, the, the rich prick is named Andrew. Oh, that's true. That's true. But I'm, I'm blown away that they would name their main characters, Amanda and Andrew. Usually from like a screenwriting standpoint, you like separate. Yes, exactly. But I don't know. Uh, Cause they're very, they, they're very close uh, in terms of the names. Andrew informs uh, Amanda, his mother, later that the accountants at the, uh, the the business are upset at her because she's just handing out cash willy nilly to pe- to homeless people around New York City, and you can't really write that off. Yes, uh, as a uh, as a charitable donation, charitable unless you have proof for it. And just saying, I had a big satchel full of money and I gave it to some guy that was sleeping on a sewer grate. They don't they tend to frown on that. They at least take a picture of it. This I sort of under this I was like, well, I get it. Like, yeah, if she's taking company money, mm-hmm. calling it a tax write-off, and she's not following the rules of the IRS, then yeah, that's on her. But her. if it's her own personal money that she's handing out and she doesn't expect a tax write-off, then who fuck gives it. A shit? Yeah, who cares? Amanda says, well, first off, if you got, if you didn't just constantly try and soak the government for loopholes to save the tax money, maybe they would have more money to spend on uh, making these people housed, which, nope. I No, they wouldn't. They would nope. put it more into uh, war machines. They would uh, put, it, put it more into contracts with Kingsley Enterprises. If yeah, I take thanks guess. that we don't need uh, that sort of thing, Mom. Come on. And then she also says, it seems like you're more concerned with uh, looking out for my money than you are for me. And Andrew says, yeah, well, six one way, half a dozen. The you other make way. some good points, mom. I'm going to give that to you. While out on her rounds later that night, Amanda and Maitland find uh, a group of unhoused people getting rounded up by the cops. Amanda says, stop that. I'm white. You have to listen to me. Again, very good point. Yes, she is an older white woman, so uh, they immediately say, yes, ma'am. She's a wealthy older white woman. Oh, you're right. Yes, yes, she is. There's a lot of boxes getting checked here. In New York City, she should be given the keys to the city just for being around. They throw her a ticker tape parade directly after this. (laughs) No, she swings her purse at a police officer like she's... uh, My mom was a big fan of... Ruth Buzzy. Ruth Buzzy, yes. Got it. All right. All right, that's uh, that's gonna do it for this episode of TV Movie Night. All right, Andrew, you're up. Okay, all right. It's um, oof, this is tough. This is tough. All right, it's a Christmas movie. 
Um, and a Santa Claus suit. Got it. Thank you. Man, it's better at this than I am. All right. Uh, yeah, she's swinging her purse like she's Ruth Buzzy hitting this police officer and manages to get herself arrested, uh, which prompts Maitland to show up and sucker punch a cop in the nose. Mate, at this point, I was like, so Maitland... Maitland, Maitland will be tried. Will be tried for high treason. Uh, well, <laughs> sent well, to the electric chair. Maitland, no, Maitland has a British accent, right? Yes. So I was like, oh, so we've got a we've got an Alfred situation where he was like deep deep spy. Oh, he's part of MI six. MI six. He like did some real black ops shit. And when a cop comes after the woman that he's been hired to protect, he's like, well, you're dead and <laughs> everybody in your family's dead. That's how we did it in 45. And that's how we're doing it in 86. Uh, yeah, well, he sucker punches a cop and then like everyone cheers, but he ends up getting himself arrested, which in 1986 apparently gets you a rounding uh, like a round of applause in 2021. I mean, I guess it gets you just shot, right? It doesn't yeah, matter. You just, you just, you just get, get you just get murked right there on the street. At jail, Andrew arrives and bails out Amanda and Maitland, but Amanda refuses to go until he bails out the rest of the rowdies that got uh, rounded up and thrown in holding. And he hey, says, Andrew, yes, go ahead. I have, you and I, thankfully, have very limited experience with the police. I have to assume once you make bail, wouldn't they just kick you out? Like, I can't imagine the, the police or the sergeant at arms or whoever being like, you want to stay? All right. Like if, well, I mean, if she, be like, no, if get she out. physically refuses to go, then they have to like carry her out. But yeah, you just, pick her up and you drag her out. You won't move. Uh, I don't know. Maybe the bond gets revoked at that point. It's been uh, revoked. They, Danny Glover tells you it's been revoked. Well, she forces her son to pay the bail on everybody else who got rounded up and um, thrown in jail because they told her originally, they said, we're, we're just rounding these people up to move them because they keep uh, uh, she says they say something. They keep uh, uh, we've gotten complaints business. from the business owners and she says these business owners are smut peddlers and I'm like, well, that's still a business. Yeah. They're unhoused, but also uh, they, they're, these are local businessmen that are peddling their pornography. Yeah. So the people that pay for it, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what the right answer is. I actually, this movie really more than anything else makes you say, I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> Compassion, I guess. Whatever. Just throw money at the problem. Andrew bails all these guys out. The next day, Maitland and Amanda go on a walk in the park and Amanda collapses in the most yes. dramatic way that it's, I've ever seen. She had the vapors like and it, Andrew, if you were Maitland yeah. and this happened, would would you not initially be like, oh, my God. <laughs> you're looking around you're like don't like, this what are you doing this for she was she stepped in a puddle she it's does this a lot we've known each other since the war please why are you doing this but she's like oh my i'm falling down yeah it's uh she's doing Kristen wiggs character from the secret word sketch yeah 
at the doctor's at the hospital, uh, the doctor wants to stay, wants her to stay and run some tests to make sure he knows what the problem is. But Amanda's like, well, I only collapsed, but I feel better now. So I need to get out of here. Andrew, however, however, in my experience at this point, the doctor's response is not going to be, I want you to stay so that I can figure out what happened. In my experience, they're going to be like, I don't know, you're old. <laughs> Look, if you die here, at least we have the paperwork to solve it. If you die out there, ugh. it's not my problem. It's not. I, it will we become bill my you problem. more yeah. if you die here, obviously. So why not stick around? Huh? Like I, I, I saw the, the satchel, the big bag with a dollar sign that you brought in with you as well. So... Um, I don't know. Let's run some MRIs. Let's see what's, let's see what's going on inside <laughs> there. Not. They're fun. You sit in a little tube. You get to, you get to think, uh, you just get to live with your thoughts. Uh, Andrew, you have, gold, you, have, you have metal feelings? Should be fine. Andrew, to his credit, uh, convinces her to stay, saying, please, just fucking stay. Let's find out what's wrong with you. The so hospital's then, gonna give us receipts, so you know we can figure out a way to make that money happen. Also, like the insurers need to know how you died, because if it's if it's undetermined, then life insurance policy doesn't pay as much as if it does if you had a heart attack. Uh, later, the doctor tells Amanda that she has an inoperable aneurysm boiling up in her brain. And he says, Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Something about the blocking on this scene really made me laugh because the doctor is seated on the bed and she is seated on. Yeah, it's like, like she it's like chair. she's behind the desk and she's so, like, <laughs> like, thank you for coming. And then she just sits behind the desk. <laughs> Please close the door behind you. Um, I have some. I don't, I don't know how to tell you this. I'm, I'm going to stretch out. I, I <laughs> look, I just I got to get loose before I get in on this. Here's the thing. I have an aneurysm. He's like, <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, he says, phone rings. Janice, hold my calls, please. Like, please, I'm, I'm in the middle of something. You just go. We're going to have to push my 230 as well. Uh, he says, look, it's like a bubble. It could go at any time. And, and she's like, well, how long? And she, he's like, days, weeks, months. And nine eight <laughs> i like how what he says days weeks months and then i was like and i wanted her to go years and he him to go oh no i mean anything's possible <laughs> you ever seen a bubble that lasts a year you ever been in a bubble bath you ever you ever it's yeah why, why don't you why don't you go find a bubble bath that's uh, up and around a year from now <laughs> get back to me when you find it um she swears the doctor to secrecy. She says, don't tell my son. And the doctor's like, fucking, fucking Hippolas, man. Whatever. Fuck. Uh, then she's like, don't tell him my vaccination status either. He can't know. I've been chipped. He's, but she tells him, don't tell my son. Because uh, he'll just worry. He'll worry. 
and he'll also he leak it. He'll leak it to the Wall Street Journal, and it'll be a big thing. Talk dives. And then, the then now I'm left holding the bag. I look like an asshole. They want to boot me out of there. Speaking Ugh. of bags, uh, that satchel isn't mine, Doctor. So let's <laughs> keep this real quiet, and I'll walk right out of here. Oh, it appears you've left your laundry here. Interesting. I'll just leave it right here. Uh, however, she says that she's going to tell Maitland. Someone she can trust. Yeah, she Not tells her, her child. She tells the support staff, don't tell the child. Smart. Because you can fire that guy. Can't Great. fire your son. Thanks. Thanks for putting me in this position, ma'am. <laughs> she tells Maitland, and uh, he takes it well in front of her. He puts up a strong front, but then he cries to himself later because he's like, there goes the greatest meal ticket I've ever had. <laughs> oh, yeah, everybody wants to hire a 75-year-old butler. Great, thanks. Yeah, it's, it's I'm like Mary fucking Poppins over here. I'll just fly to the next house. <laughs> Amanda goes then to a Brooklyn-based private investigator to round up and find her three grandkids, Josh, Harley, and Melissa. Andrew, you know what would be better than going to hire a PI? Doing uh, it her own damn self. Oh, you're saying from a screenwriting stance? From a screenwriting stance. That would be better. Instead, she goes to Rachel's father from uh, Friends. Yeah. Which is how I recognize this actor. And says... Guess what? I have money. You do it. Yes, because even though they're based in Manhattan, she says her husband started his original company here on this road here in Brooklyn. A couple doors down from your office. So I've got a good feeling that you'll be able to help us out. Selling smack. At she the pays, best prices. Yep. I need you. You're going to run across the country and you're going to make a couple deliveries for me as well. While you're looking for <laughs> While my you're grandkids. doing it. All right. And if anyone asks, you're looking for my grandkids. She tells him, uh, gives him a bunch of money up front. She gives him $10,000 in, in cash, cash, right up front and says, I'll give you an additional 5000 for each grandchild you find before Christmas. It's like find and kill. Got it. And she says, no, no problem. No, I just need them alive. I actually, she's like, actually, I would prefer if they were alive. He's like, sorry, can't take it back. He says, gotcha. Mm. Wink. <laughs> and then he writes the word wire question mark and then turns it around <laughs> to her. Uh, later, Maitland says to Amanda, he doesn't agree with the fact that when she told when she talked to the private investigator, she didn't admit why she was in such a hurry, because with this aneurysm thing boiling in her head, she doesn't know how many hours, days, months, weeks that she has left. Definitely certainly, not years. Certainly not years. Uh, uh, but it feels like also it light of the fire under the private investigator's ass and maybe also convince your grandkids to come back if they knew that you were dying. That's what the money's for. <laughs> Gave the guy 10 grand so that I don't have to tell him the truth. Yeah, I gave him 10 grand with a promise of $15,000 more if he got off his fat ass and got my goddamn grandkids to me. Amanda says she didn't want to guilt the grandkids into coming back. She wanted them to come back on their own volition and not because she's dying. Andrew, I don't know. This is, I texted you that the movie spends 
a good 20 to 30 minutes telling us that she is a good person. Yes. And it does it by saying she rescues cats. She gives money to the poor every night. She cares about her family. Even though her, her son is a son of a bitch, she does everything she can for him. Mm-hmm. The thing that the movie does that says she is a good person more than anything else, and actually, in my opinion, makes her an unrelatable character, is that she says, I don't want to use guilt. <laughs> That's the only way. Imagine a grandmother not guilting their grandchildren into stuff. Imagine <laughs> a human being not guilting I mean, that's true. another that's true. human. That's the only way I do anything around here. I mean, like, Mark, Mark, if I even if I didn't have terminal news about my health, if, if they were like, I don't know, you might be predisposed to asthma. I would. Ooh, every oh, moment of my life. Oh, oh, Andrew. <laughs> If I could just get a Sonic burger, it would mean so much to me and our friendship. I mean, <laughs> and you're like, there isn't a Sonic for like 50 miles from here. And I'm like, that's okay. Our friendship only extends 20 miles. I get it. <laughs> our friendship is just like the TMZ. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I have to pay a per diem for our friendship after that. I'll give you $30 in mileage <laughs> if you go to a baker's. <laughs> like, oh, San Bernardino County. Oh, my oh, God. God. I, I'm the one with the terminal illness now. Yeah. <laughs> I have to go to the IE. Uh, but, yeah, that's, I guess fucking well, sainthood she's a saint if she says <laughs> i don't want to use guilt it's mostly how i get things done i mean that's how i get my jobs at least oh it's okay i, I just guess got you a job starve whatever <laughs> fuck me sideways no i love lettuce soup that's what i have every <laughs> night what is it it's cold water with lettuce in it it's cold water, and I think of lettuce. It's delicious. <laughs> Yum. Here's a picture of it. <laughs> Act two. Enough. Act two. We're in Nashville, Smashville, Tennessee. I guess. Pro- <laughs> I guess there's a poster next to a payphone that says Nashville. Nashville. So I guess we're in Nashville. Certainly not a back lot in New York or New Jersey, but sure. Yeah. Uh, the private investigator gets a tip that Josh likes country music. So on the spur of the moment, because he thought he was going to be a country music singer 20 years ago, he's like, gotta be in Nashville. That's where country music singers go. There certainly isn't any country music singers in any other fucking part of the world. Andrew, I thought I was going to be a television writer 20 years ago. Guess where I am. I guess that's true too. Uh, it's a, a flop house in Hollywood. <laughs> He's like, I know where to find him. And he goes to like a single occupant residency. He's like, who's the drunkest son of a bitch here? And uh, me. It's like, well, there I your, your grandma's got some a note for you. <laughs> <laughs> they all just point. He's like, great, thank you. They ju- he just pins it to some guy's shirt who's face down with a liquor bottle next to him, next to the the incredibly gross apartment pool. Yeah, and you seem about right, aren't you? 
he uh, he goes and starts touring a bunch of uh, uh, recording studios there in Nashville until he finds somebody who knows where Josh is at. It turns out that he's headed to San Antonio for a gig. So saddest bar you've ever seen. Uh, at the bar, Josh lays out a sob story to this private investigator, which I the thing that they the really missed opportunity here is for this private investigator. Like you want uh, you want the guy, the that character actor from The Big Lebowski who plays the private investigator. Joe Polito. Yes. Like that's who you want. Uh, being like, look, man, it's just a job. I, I, I don't know. They told me to follow you and I'm following you. Uh, oh no! I was gonna say you want he follows a singer to Nashville. Shouldn't he perform a song about how much he hates his father but loves his grandmother? Well, there's like one of that. Yes, that, yeah, that would more be more interesting sense? that he comes into the bar, or or I thought because there's a moment where he's going to all these different record. Uh, uh, recording studios, yeah, and the the taxi cab is playing country music over the radio. Oh, you wanted the taxi driver? I wanted him to uh, if him to maybe hear the song on it, being like, "Wait a minute!" He's like, "You know who that is? Of course, it's a brand new hit from some Josh so and so, Josh, Josh asshole." And and he's like, "Where does he?" And then he like the taxi cab driver knows or something like that. Instead, no, they go to some fucking. Oh, what would, here's what would be great. Here's yeah. what would be great. Taxi driver song is playing. Taxi driver says, oh, I hate this song. And he says, why do you hate it? And he says, this guy pretends to be a Southern cowboy, but, but everybody from, knows but he's, he's, he's from a, Manhattan. Yeah, he's some socialites. He's got some rich dickhead backing him up. Yeah. He's like, ah, he's yes. like, oh, that would be good. Yes, that would make something. sense. Then he's being a detective. Yes, and it also adds a little flavor to this guy's character as well because Josh lays out a sob story to the private investigator in the San Antonio bar about why he doesn't like his father because he's like, I care about my music, my country music, and dad wanted me to go to the, to, he sent me to military school and he didn't care about me, so I've never forgiven him for it. I love the fact, though, that it's like, yeah, but guess what dickhead you got a trust fund and you are set for life backing you up so yeah. like i don't give a shit about this song that you're singing about your ford uh f-150 breaking down on you you're you're loaded buddy yeah and the best part of all this as well which i wish they had played up is the private investigators like look man i just got paid to tell you that you're i'm not here from whoever your dirtbag dad is yeah i'm here to deliver a message the message is your grandmother who paid me a good sum of money wanted me to come here and say go home and see her for christmas job complete and 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 then he just starts like laying this incredible sob story and i wanted to cut back to the private investigator each time to be like look like our business is at it we we have concluded business i don't care no, it should be cutting back to him with papers being like, just sign that I was here. Yeah. And, I talked I, to I, you. <laughs> and he's like, you know, the last piece of paper that someone asked me to sign, it was for boarding school. Like, All right. That's, uh, okay. Because right. at a certain point, at a certain point, he's like, you probably don't care why I hate my father. And I wanted to be like, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I want five grand. 
that's what I get. That's what you are to me. You, you are, are a, a dollar sign at this point. Uh, he doesn't sound like he's going to go home for Christmas, though. He says too many bad memories. I got this. I got this song about rough times and like having sex in a back of a pickup truck and like a field full of fireflies. I, I've only ever seen a picture of it. I, I, I think that's what people do down here. He's like, I'll listen to that. Yeah, he said, that sounds pretty good. He suggests that his sister might be talking here. <laughs> he suggests, however, that his sister might be in Hollywood because she wanted to be an actress and that his brother might be in Canada because he was against the Vietnam War and decided to dodge the draft. Gotcha. Vietnam brother addicted to smack already dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hollywood sister. Adult film actress. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Thank you. Amanda later talks to her lawyer about changing her will, uh, which because she's dying, but I'm assuming she's trying to cut in somebody else. She doesn't really say what she's going to change, but the, the change would require her to liquidate her controlling interest in the company when she dies, which Andrew is assuming he'd inherit uh, when she finally kicks the bucket. Again, from a screenwriting perspective, this really upsets the apple cart on what this movie is supposed to be, right? Yes. Because it's like, I thought it was about the kids. No, now it's an internal like succession struggle between the son and the mother over the control of this multi-billion dollar corporation. Yes, and I'm supposed to know a ton about like corporate law, but also... Uh, inheritance and yes. I, tax tax write-offs. I was like, what is, who wrote this? Did JP Morgan Chase write this movie? They're like, you never know when you're going to need a lawyer who knows, you know, in, in family and inheritance law. So get that for Christmas this year, folks. She talks about this with two Andrew who says that he's going to stop this. He says that company is mine. Yelled bat. Uh, while discussing it with his brain trust of lawyers, one lawyer pitches that maybe they find, maybe they find Amanda incompetent. And then they name Andrew as the conservator. And that conservator was me. me. <laughs> Andrew, this this is so fucked up. You know that when your mother was named incompetent, I bet on a winner. Is he betting on the stock market? Yes, that's what the stock market is. The other lawyer in the room is like, that's monstrous, and it's going to be traumatic for everyone involved, including you, and especially your mother. And just fucked up, man. Yeah, <laughs> that you, you have... Because of her last will and testament? That she wants to give money to the poor, like uh, like a Carnegie or a... Uh... You're still rich, goddammit. <laughs> She's not throwing away the whole company. She's just throwing away the controlling interest. Yeah, they, he'll still can. She'll still have 49 percent of it, but he won't have controlling interest because she wants to liquidate those funds and give it to the poor percent. She wants to liquidate three percent of the business. Yes. And uh, Andrew, however, says, do it. Take my he'll, mother. I'm going to see her in hell. 
Amanda, however, says that she will fight this. So now it's this legal battle while you have this private investigator in the wind. It's, it's like kicking uh, around out there. It doesn't yeah. make any sense. Well, we check back in with the private investigator who has found Melissa in Los Angeles, and she is directing a kid's version of the Nutcracker at some local theater. He says this sucks. Well, the worst part is, is that she's like directing traffic on stage and this fucking asshole stomps up and he's like, yeah, Mrs. Kingsley, I got to talk to you. I'm a private investigator and I'm, I'm I want to I want to talk to you. Here's my fake badge. Yeah. And first of all, like private investigators are scumbags. You're not gonna, I wouldn't want to talk to him anyway. But also on top of that, uh, why wouldn't you wait like. You sit in the back of the theater. She's doing her thing. And then as she's going to her car, you like stop her and say, hey, uh, you had a little trouble up there with the plies. And she's like, who are you? Oh, oh uh, I'm a PI. I uh, was wondering if you could, you know, answer a couple questions for me. Yeah. You think there's a way to write that scene and also make it seem like this guy's that this guy's also kind of charming because the craziest thing happens here where. <laughs> The daughter falls, the granddaughter falls in love with the detective immediately for no because reason. She's because she uh, she's like, oh, well, let's go back to my place and I'll show you the sites in Los Angeles. And she says, well, I want to show you the sites because I was I want to apologize for being so rude to you at the theater. And I was like, I don't think she was very rude. She was like, I'm doing I'm like, she's working. like, she's like, I'll talk to you after this. But they like share looks and there's this music swelling. And I'm like, where is this coming from? Is she just damaged goods? And she's just like, this is just what she does. Well, no, like, this is just every guy's every, every dude is like all women find me attractive. <laughs> so well, if they're trying to make it seem like, you know, in like a hard boiled detective story, you're a big fan of noir stories that there would be a situation where it's like, Ah, uh, the, the the lady walked into his life and and sparks well, he would demonstrate there. himself to be useful and important in some way. That's the thing. This guy and he doesn't is do that. He's just a stranger that shows up and is and ruins her recital. And he's bad at his job. He just he just bumbles into each thing. We never see him like finding information or being clever about something. Where it's like like midnight run, right? We have Robert De Niro is uh, like a bounty hunter. Yeah. And you're seeing him constantly uh, coming up with ways to like outwit the police or use his contacts in the country to get here and there to get Charles Grodin and et cetera, et cetera. And you find him more charming because of that. You will, you, an audience automatically will like a person who is good at their job. Yes. The easiest way to make them like a character is if they have a job and they're good at it or like it or not uh, yes or if he's like a schlub as well and it's like oh he's a dirtbag private investigator but he still gets the job done he knows yes that's the best when it's a dirty schlub who's like anti-social exists outside of the system but goddamn they know how to make how to get results yes the audience will fall in love with them this guy is your eye given 10 grand 
and told to find someone. We'd and, be like, and just, I, and just, and what? then just told, and just told, I think he's in Nashville and I think the other one's in Canada and the other one might be in Hollywood. And then not even that it's just describing what they liked as kids. Imagine someone, imagine an old dowager came up to you and said, Andrew, I'll give you 20 grand to find my grandson. He's in his thirties. Now he really liked Pokemon. Yes. You'd be yeah. like, great. Well, well I, I, I hate to keep harping on this, but what you want to see him do is because he always like presents himself as I'm a private investigator and I'm looking for so-and-so like what you want to see happen is him call up an agency and say, uh, you know, Mrs. Kingsley is running late for her appointment. And then for some, you know, guy at the desk to be like appointment. Wait, no, no, Mrs. I don't know what you mean by that. Cause Mrs. Kingsley is such an, like, he's got the, the, the meeting book in front of him and knows yeah. exactly where she's at. And he yeah. says, oh, silly me. That was for Tuesday. My apologies. And then hangs up and knows that he can go right to the theater because that's where she's at. Whatever yes. it is. Instead, he just walks in and he looks like a dickhead. But apparently she falls in love with him because they tour Los Angeles and they have a walk on the beach. And she lays out her sob story about why she doesn't like her father. And uh, which is that she went to acting school, fell in love with a classmate. Her dad disapproved paid the guy $15,000 uh, to take a hike, which he did. Dumb and on that guy's part. Like, obviously the family's juice. Ask for no, more. You'd be like, I'm marrying her. Yeah. I'm sucking on the tip. <laughs> Guess what, asshole? I'm here. Guess what, pops? You're going to see me at Christmas? I'm going to be all over that Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> I'm going to be there, lock, stock, and barrel. Uh, so uh, that's why she's mad at uh, Andrew, but uh, she's also on the fence about going home for Christmas, despite the fact that she loves her Meemaw. Uh, Molly, Amanda's bum friend, is sick in a flop house hospital. And uh, Amanda gets a call to uh, come check on her and, and check her out. Uh, Molly is upset because she's like, I'm going to die in rags around a bunch of other people because I'm in some flophouse hospital. And Amanda says, you're right. So she calls up her. COVID. This is the world. <laughs> she calls up a friend of hers and gets Molly transferred to a uh, private hospital with a bunch of flowers all around her. And uh, Mark, hey, guess what, Mark? It turns out that you can be really good if you just have a ton of money. Do you know that? Uh, I, I've i always assumed that was stopping me from being a good person is that I'm broke. Yeah. This is kind of my thing with this movie is uh, you can point to Amanda here as being saintly, but goddamn, of course she is. She doesn't have a care in the world just to walk around all day like... Uh, you can afford to be. Yeah. And just hand out money, literally just hand out money willy nilly to people just because. Does that make me the bad person? Because I don't have those resources. Yeah, you're bad. Andrew, how many cats have you saved? Zero. You're a monster. Yeah. This podcast how how many true. invalids have I taken out of a, a flop house hospital and and put up in in uh, in a hospital that I myself couldn't have couldn't even dream of affording. 
Well, Andrew, you did t pick me up off the street uh, some 15 years ago and no. uh, put Mystery Science Theater 3000 in front of me and said, uh, maybe this is better than Smack. <laughs> and he said, well, one addiction for another, I guess. This, this one leaves this one leaves less track marks on my arms, but more in my brain. Cheaper. And you're like, wait until the Kickstarter opens up. <laughs> you're going to want to get in on the ground floor. <laughs> At a bar in Toronto, the private investigator happens into a conversation with the bartender who appears to have also, which this is bizarre. He goes up to the guy at the bar and the guy says, what do you have, eh? And the, the PI is like, you're not from around here, are you? The guy says, that's right. I'm from Arkansas. And he's got such a weird accent that I was like, how did he know? Because it feels like this guy, the bartender behind the bar is trying to do, is trying to, sa trying to sound Canadian, but isn't, but isn't far enough away that it's, it, it's like, no, this guy just. No, it's an American actor. Yeah. It's a northeastern actor because they probably they shot this in the New York, New Jersey area, pretending to be from Arkansas, pretending to have a Canadian accent. So there's too many layers of artifice. I would just where you're like, just look, man, the, you're not Daniel just, Day Lewis. I would just do the Arkansas accent. Yeah, I would have a guy. I would have him walk in past a bouncer at the door. That's like, uh, you know, where's your ID? Eh? You know, and whatever that that is, and then as he goes up to the bar, we hear a distinct change in the dialect of like, "What do you have, sir?" or you know, however you want to do it. What's what's it gonna be, bub? And he's like, "Oh, interesting. You're you're not from around here, no, sir. Arkansas, born and bred. You know how however you want to do it. Instead, it's 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 a very weird scene. But it turns out through happenstance, this guy's a draft dodger." And even though there's amnesty, he wants to stay here in Canada because his family doesn't want him back. But there's so a guy here. America. Got it. But there's a guy here in the bar that's also runs an organization that's helped that helped draft Dodgers during the 70s. Why don't you talk to him? Maybe he can help you find this Harley guy. Turns out that this guy has all the relevant information. They're so <laughs> it's like, oh, well, that was convenient that they're all in the same single fucking bar here in Toronto. I was expecting, Mark, I was expecting this bartender to be the fucking guy. Yes, that's all we want. That which should be the reveal, right? You this, think? That this guy's like, this guy, you know, he's like, oh, I'm from Arkansas. He's like, see, because I thought. No, was, you don't sound like you're from Arkansas. Trying to do an accent to throw people off the trail that he's actually some socialite from Manhattan. Yes. That's wouldn't, that, good. wouldn't that have been interesting? It would have been more interesting. I'll give you that. Or at least something. Give this guy something to do. And he's like, I don't know. There's something about you that seems a bit different. Uh, yes, and then he, he like looks, he like looks at his hands, looks at his hands and they're like nicely manicured. There's, there's like some little tell to show that the private investigator has an eye for detail and yeah. is able to sniff this guy out. And he, like, there's some, something there, but instead, Anything. no, instead, instead he no, says, he talks to this guy. He says, go talk to that guy. That guy says, yeah, I know the guy. He lives up North. Uh, but it's going to snow here pretty soon. And Canadian winters are nothing to be nothing to sneeze at. 
And this guy says, well, I'm from New, I'm New York. I could, I know pizza, the Yankees, baby. The opera. Yeah. Andrew, how much of our. Ghostbusters. <laughs> how much of our understanding of detective work do you think is informed by those like four to six years where all we were doing was playing uh, point and click adventures? Uh, yeah, it's nothing. Where we're like, no, well, you got to look under the thing. It's, you, you always got to if some if someone hands you a rasp, you got to look. You got to take. That's the, the rasp. thing. You have to distract the guy at the schnookies so that Max can go out and use it. But then you, or, then Sam's got to go and exit and stop Max from returning the rasp on the key to the bathroom. Yes. Why would he say mighty large rasp attached to that out of toilet paper? Yeah. It doesn't if make I'm any not sense. Supposed to take it, and then you gotta then you gotta hit the golf balls into the the crocodile's mouth, so you can mouth create a bridge fun. to get over and get Max out of the dunk tank. Man, the best game ever. <sighs> well, regardless, uh, the, this PI doesn't do any of that. <laughs> Throw it out the window, Sam. There's nothing but strangers out there. Uh, anyways, so um, uh, it turns out so that 2022 were. Uh, <laughs> Turns out the car going up the road is caught in a snowstorm and the private investigator gets lost in the storm. <laughs> he like decides to get out of his car, which is the last thing you should do. He's yep. like, why should I, why would I want to stay in shelter? I'll just crawl like an idiot. And then we get, again, a, we, we get the first of the most lazy drawings yeah. of a guy during an act break where they're like, I don't know, it's snow. So the paper's already white. So uh, here's like a coat, I guess. All right. That's the end of that. Act three off screen. Yes. We come back from the act break and we find that because uh, the private investigators face down in the snow. Uh Oh, the stakes have been raised only to immediately be immediately be dashed off screen as Harley's dog found the private investigator in the snow, they hauled so him back. Told. So we're told they hauled him back to the house and the private investigator sees that Harley is there along with his wife. And he has a, he has a, a young son as well. Yes. Harley lays out his sob story to his dad. He's like, I tried to protest against them, against the company during the war. Uh -huh. My dad was embarrassed. Yeah. So then I decided to, I didn't want to do the drafts and I'm from Canada. He didn't really see, <laughs> he gotcha. didn't really seem to care, which again, Mark, this guy says that he like dedicates his life to, um, anti-violence in that like anti-violence, but also like protesting against injustices and that kind of thing. But like this reeks of, uh, uh, uh like arrested development where, What's her name? Lindsay. Lindsay. Well, yes, Lindsay Bluth is doing this. She's she's like loaded, but she has a new cause like every week that she yes. wants to take up because this guy has got this massive house up in like a farm in Toronto. But all he's been doing for the past 20 years is just going around protesting things. And it's like good work if you got it. I'm glad that he was sitting on a nest egg to be able to do all this stuff. But like, I can't relate to any of these goddamn characters. Yeah. You want one of them or a couple of them to deny 
the you know the trust fund that they have at their beck and call right that they're like i'm disgusted with it my father like they just he's keep awful the money. but yes they just keep taking the money which or, you would think wouldn't shouldn't the detective be like all right they have trust funds let's see if any of this money has been taken out where is it where has it been you know you know where has it been going okay i've done my job i'm pretty good at this or um, or you find that one of them has like been so disgusted with whatever that they you know he's become a bartender or he's become she's she's a working actress at doing like uh uh theater or she's one of the guys dressed as elmo at like hollywood and highland she's uh you know a beetlejuice at the universal studios like that's good something instead they are all three successful kids grandkids living high on the hog despite the fact that they've shirked their family for the last 20 years to the point where it's caused a huge rift in their life but have like other than the emotional effect of it of not seeing their family they have everything no else is hunky dory exactly it's uh frustrating from a uh viewer standpoint to be like there is potentially a better story here but uh, there is there there's no um, conflict here because nobody's struggling in any capacity. That's why that's why I say it seems like this movie was written by someone with a lot of money. Yeah. Who just like, doesn't why, understand. I, I, why do they like, have to worry about this it? is how the poors are. They have a really nice house, but it's kind of in a snowy area. See, it reminds me of uh, uh, that movie that do you ever see that Jim Jaramouche movie called Broken Flowers? Of course, where Bill Murray is has a a kid yes. that he finds out about, but he doesn't know from who. Yes. So he visits four lovers that he's yeah. had over the years, and each uh, visit is its own like little thing. Yes. And it's just like a character study about here's this person dropping in, and you're just seeing a slice of life of this woman and their family around them yes and it's uh it's an interesting film it's a good movie because it's made by jim jamroosh yeah as opposed to this which is like i don't know <laughs> which that see that would be a lot more interesting to do something like that with this instead of like complicating it with this court story and all this nonsense well, the court story is yeah no the court story is there because someone's like i'm rich and i'm always dealing with dumb bullshit in court <laughs> But like if they had dropped, if the private investigator shows up and drops in and each each three of these kids. The private lives, investigator never shows up at the court storyline. Well, what I'm saying, well, that's also weird, too. But uh, uh, I'm saying that it would have been interesting if they had decided to like flesh these three out. And we see these instead. It's like, no, they're all if you hadn't told me that they had they were separated from their father or whatever like i'd be like okay he's successful she's successful he's successful well, i mean it's also like they hate their dad and i'm like oh how tragic <laughs> <laughs> um well uh it's the same sob story for uh harley as well back at uh, we're now into act three at the court remember this thing with amanda the prosecutors are doing a terrible job of underlining how that Amanda is incompetent. By showing the way that they show that she is incompetent is by showing that she is the nicest person on the planet. Yes. It is a parade of witnesses saying, 
yes. Uh, this person the, helped me. The prosecutor's like, now you're saying to me that this woman, this woman right here that I am pointing to, gave money to destitute people on Skid Row in New York City and didn't want to see them freeze to death? And then the, the like, yeah. yes, that is that is correct. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I rest my case. This person must be insane. Yeah, because the prosecutor brings up the fact that she goes around at night with money to give to destitute people, which Maitland says, yeah, I would she'd give them more money if she could hold more, but she can't. I don't wouldn't I wouldn't want to see them die. You ever hear of Corinthians one dickhead? Charity. That's the one you want to back. Yeah. Is it a crime to be nice to people? Apparently. She also said uh, to Maria that she promised to bring her family up from Puerto Rico. She wants to be nice to people who work for her? Disgusting. It's, she must be insane. Uh, then the prosecutor also gets uh, angry at a uh, uh a guy known as the professor who lives on Skid Row that apparently got fired from his college job because he was an alcoholic, leading to an outburst from Amanda who says you don't have any right to talk to him like that. So they have to go talk to the judge in judge's chambers. Amanda pushes for a delay on this whole rigmarole because the grandkids, you see, are coming to town. Andrew agrees to this delay to push it into the new year. And after Amanda leaves the judge's chambers, he says, I think her delusions are getting worse because my kids hate my fucking guts. Because <laughs> I'm a monster and my kids are never coming home. I haven't spoken to them in 20 fucking years. They fucking hate me. They're never coming back. So if she's out here saying they are, she might actually be crazy. She's crazy. And I I'm am reaping all the benefits. <laughs> I'm a good guy because I'm telling you the truth. My children hate me because I have been horrible to her, to them. But my mother believes that I might still have some good in me. So obviously she's out of her mind. And the judge says, yes, yes. yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That makes perfect sense. Quite right. What, it's, what's the line for it's uh, it's uh, he's he's losing his mind. And I'm, I'm reaping, reaping all the benefits. Um, wedding singer. Yeah, wedding singer. The private investigator comes to visit Amanda and says, yeah, I, I met all three of your grandkids. I'm pretty confident they ain't coming down here. But I'll take that money if you got it. However, Amanda is convinced the grandkids will be here. Amanda later goes to tell a story to a bunch of brats at some place. I don't know. She talks about a story involving a Christmas dove that appeared during World War One, where like everybody saw a dove and they laid down their arms and they all sang songs and gave each other ear poppers. Something, something, something. No, it's it's uh, it's whatever. Um... Ed Wood's girlfriend is talking about in the opening play. She's like, <laughs> I bring you the love of peace. I mean, they said the costumes were realistic. Now, I that is positive. <laughs> 
that would have been great if she's reading the story and they we reverse cut to the audience from that scene that it's just three people and a like a bucket collecting <laughs> the rain they're falling into it <laughs> i bring you the devil of peace <laughs> Oh, Great what memory. does that what does that old queen know? <laughs> uh, Mexico was a disaster. A disaster. <laughs> if it wasn't for these the doctor, a quack. <laughs> if it wasn't for these brave men, the, I would have died. Mariachi singer nods his head. <laughs> One of the uh, God damn, is that a good movie? Oh my God. Amanda then meets with Andrew, who lays out that uh, she's like, he's like, look, we don't have to fight each other. Just give me my fucking money. Give me my fucking money. Just die already. He lays out, however, in this like, you know, last 10 pages reveal of this script that he never felt the same love that his father and Amanda had for one another. Yes. Which leads Amanda to some incredible revelation. So she does him? Because <laughs> it's almost, isn't it's it Oedipal? Weird. It's so weird. He's like, you love dad more than you loved me. And she's like, when a man and a woman. You have, you did it, you had that at least three times at this point. I guess point. this is on me for not really explaining this. Uh, yes he's been upset his entire life that apparently amanda and his father had something incredibly special that he felt he was not a part of and amanda apparently this entire span of her life never realized this despite the fact that she's just been handing out like this love and affection to every single person she's ever come across Including him, we see in, her. Yes, in, yes, we, we see don't her. See her being cold to her son. We see her very upset. Like in part of the reason that she wants to push the grandkids to come back is because she's concerned that she doesn't want Andrew to go through life alone when she dies. Yes, and it's like obviously she cares for him. If he had mentioned the fact that he's like those derelicts. On Skid Row, you seem like you have more concern for them than you yes, do for you me. Love them more than me. Your your fucking son. All right. I'm here every night waiting for you to come home, and every night you're out there with them. Yes, and it's like you know, there's only one. If I can't turn to my mother in my wife's dead, guess where I have to turn to? My job. And so that would be a little bit more affecting and realistic instead of this, which just feels like some weird, like, oh, we have to give him some path. We, you know, we have to give him some pathos. We have to, you know, we yeah, can't. Because we've been calling him a son of a bitch for the whole movie. We have to give some explanation for why he is this way. I guess it's the mom's fault. And she's like, but it's not her None fault. of it is. He's, but she he takes it. Sucks. She takes it. She takes it like this big, huge blow to her. That she's like, oh, I never realized. And I feel like he's just kind of, it would be great if he's like, I told her that she hated me my entire told life. Her it was her fault. <laughs> told the old bag, bag it was her know. fault. 
The old bag said to take any any uh, company in the house. Any any homeless person in the house. Uh, it's uh, but this also prompts Andrew to go to his wife's grave because she tells him that he's resistant to be to saying that he loves people, including his wife, because he wasn't even there when she was dying because he was too busy wrapped up in his business. So I don't know who the real asshole is here. Capitalism. Uh, that's that's great. it. That's great that that's all off camera and pre-story yeah. and stuff that no one has any idea about. Like, I don't fucking know. I don't know. We're, we're winding our way. It's finally here. The titular Christmas Eve and the party is up and running. Uh, the, you got uh, Maria. You got uh, uh, Maitland. Maitland, you got all your favorite people. Amanda. And then the life of the party, this fucking scumbag private investigator shows up because he heard there was a free lunch and he said, yeah, <laughs> you're goddamn right. I'll be there. Uh, but the hours continue to tick away because Amanda he's says, like, would you, private investigator, would you like a drink? And he's like, oh, I never. Well, maybe just the one. <laughs> then we just we fade. We cross cut to 45 minutes later and it's just tumblers of whiskey yeah, all around everywhere him. let me tell you what's wrong with this country. <laughs> i'll be honest with you i never got a private investigator license all you gotta do is just put pi after your name and up and everybody will just come in i i fuck all i know i ripped out so many pages inside of a phone book in a phone booth i don't even know why i do it anymore I just like the thrill of damaging property. Anyways, your grandkids are dead. <laughs> I'll be honest. I never even left the city. <laughs> so 15K, thank you. <laughs> Do I talk to the Puerto Rican lady or the old man about getting paid? Uh, but the hours continue to tick away. Nobody else shows up to this party. Look, I've been here before, Mark. Oh, uh, I'm on my way. Yeah, I'm getting texts. I'm like, look, oh, man, God. I got the plateful Oreos, the Domino's is hyping hot. The parking in your area is so hard. I'm, 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 I'm look, look I'm looking outside. We are free and clear. There's about two cars outside of my window I, here. Well, one of them's mine. I, well, it wasn't that way when I was there. <laughs> Oh, you've already, you, I, I couldn't find a spot. I, I had to, I had to go home I had to go home. Sorry. Uh, it's getting late. And the private investigator says, look, don't be disappointed. Everyone hates, everyone you. hates their grandkids. Like it's, <laughs> it's just a fact of life. You, yeah. you say you like them up to a point and then you're like, I didn't really like them actually. No, you like your grandkids until they're six and then they're pieces of shit. Yeah. And then they don't, then they cry and they make a mess. And then, uh, it looks like Amanda is about to agree with the private investigator, but over his over the private investigator's shoulder, we reveal that the entire group has shown up together. Apparently, they got off and they had the same cab from LaGuardia. Because <laughs> <laughs> they all show up at the exact same time. My, oh, decided, my, what a miracle. Oh, it's so cool. They decided to not call ahead. Yeah, or let people know that there's a woman to be like, by the way, I'm leaving dullest right now i don't know there's a storm i might be held up but i'm doing my best yeah it's, oh maitland let 
let my grandmother know that we're actually we're, we're getting there. We're picking up our bags right now. I know it's late. Yes. Can you send a car? Instead, no, they decide to wait. Let this let this old lady sweat it out while she's got a goddamn aneurysm boiling in her head. Yeah. Uh, the kids all show up. Then Andrew shows up and uh, he says that I looked at my wife's gravestone and I said to myself, yeah, fuck it. He's canceling and voiding his request for a conservatorship. Great. You still took your mom to you, you took your court. mom to court, really not coming back Piece down from the shit. ledge there. Uh, but the kids are there too, and they decide to hug their papa. But they didn't resolve anything with their dad. Yeah, they're still it's it's like he didn't learn anything because he's not the one who expresses anything. They have to come up to him to say Merry Christmas, father. Yeah, no, they should be like, we're here for grandma and that's it. You still suck until you make things right. Right. In and then he should say, I went to mom's grave and that should be like a big point of. And they're like, cool. Well, no, it should be like he never he like he's been so closed off that there's some story point that maybe he never went there. But this is sure. it's maybe. now affected him. And now we hear the kids and he's like, but nobody's done the work. No. The script has we not see, done the We work. should see tears in his eyes, and he's about to say, like, I'm sorry, but they cut him off, and they say Merry Christmas, and they give him a hug or whatever it is, and we can see that they're starting to come together. Instead, they come up to him like the goddamn Von Trapp kids. Like, one at a time, he, like, blows his little whistle. Andrew, and it would be great if the, kid, if the kids came up to him and they were like, Dad, we love you. The way that you turned on Mom... It's really scary. It's out of your character. We think you might need a conservatorship. <laughs> and then Grandma winks. And then it's like, yeah, we got him. Merry them. Christmas, you filthy animal. <laughs> then the kids take over the business. Yes, yes. Because who's the villain in, in this movie? Who is the villain? If not Look, Andrew. All of those people are still taking the money as well especially yeah. you know who the biggest fucking uh, uh hypocrite is harley oh, i was gonna guy, say maitland for a guy that protested against this company has no problem taking a check from the same company to keep his lifestyle up and running yes that's true Later, Amanda sees a dove on the terrace outside of her bedroom window. It flies away, and there's a bright white uh, flash of white light, which I, mean, I assume means that That's she the died. She That's died. The She's dead. That's over. <laughs> she collapsed in Maitland's arms when that fucking bird flew away. She and said made his name. Hap, hap, happiest Christmas this side of the nut house. Merry Christmas. You're dead. <laughs> The, the the dove should have turned to her and said something to her. Should have said, your time has come. And that's the end of Christmas Eve. Mark, what did we think of this film? Andrew, this movie sucked. It didn't make any sense. Yeah. I kept wanting to understand what was happening and to give it the benefit of the doubt and be like, okay, so it's about this. It's about 
a woman trying to put her family back together. No, she doesn't do anything. She just throws money at the problem. Okay. So it's about this P.I. who is more invested than he should be. No, he kind of just wants to bang the sister, bang the daughter. That's not cool. And then in the end, it's like, the movie is over because the movie is over. Because we have to get to Carson. And it was just, it, it was just a letdown. It was just a real mess of a movie. And I know that you would pick this because there's a movie that you like that is similar to this. Which is? Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, right, yes. Uh, yeah, I was hoping that it was going to be Tenenbaums-esque where uh, where that's, that's the direction I want because that movie so perfectly sets up in the first 10 minutes that it's like three wonderkins uh, uh, come out of one single family and then as soon as they hit adulthood they just get they are just messed up in three separate branching ways and we peek in on their lives as they're all called back to come deal with the fact that they believe that their father is dying yes and the guy that screwed them all up wants to do better yes and so that is an interesting story, whereas this movie is like a woman who is guiltless, wants to be around her family, but doesn't do anything, whereas even like Royal makes an effort in a bad way because he is a fuck up. He's a real character in that movie. Yeah. So like everything that Gene Hackman's character, Royal Tannenbaum, does, you're like, I understand what he's trying to do and I understand that he can't do it because he's messed up. Whereas in this movie, every character seems to be acting out of every character seems to be doing stuff out of like not trying to do anything, (laughs) trying to be as lazy as possible. Well, like, but you know, the, the most frustrating thing right off the bat is, is, you know the matriarch the you know amanda as a character you're like how am i supposed to believe that a person like this exists that it's here's this like billionaire uh uh well-to-do woman that goes out in the middle of the night and is like handing out gobs of cash to homeless people and saving cats in the middle of the street and doing this and that and like there is not one character flaw uh, uh, other than right. what we're no. supposed to believe at the end where she's like, oh, I was too busy swept up and loving my fucking husband that apparently I didn't love my son enough. I've abandoned my boy is what she's well, like getting at. Yes. Well, even if it's that, I... Uh, uh, wealthy woman cares a lot about charity and stuff, but has let her family fall apart joins a filthy uh, degenerate PI to find her grandkids. Isn't that a better story? Like, shouldn't she have gone with uh, the PI to like go and find her grandkids? And is, isn't that a better movie than her? Well, there's, like, there's no reason money and I'm just going to hang back. Well, there is no reason for them to collect at the end. Cause if she just goes and visits them, uh, then there's no motivation for them to show up. 
because she's already seen them to show up for your father that's what it should be yeah but like to have a stranger pi show up and be like hey i don't i don't know i don't give a shit it's it doesn't work for me and i feel like the bones of a good story are there and this movie made every decision to do the opposite of what a good story could be I guess, you know, it's it is a Christmas movie, so we're supposed to be uplifted and uh, there's not too much conflict there. But I I do feel like it would been it would have been fun to have a couple more wrinkles of like. Put some fucking characterization or or yes, have uh, Amanda not just sit in a room for a majority of this movie. Yes. Or going on trial for being good. Like that's that all that that whole thing. Like, I I don't feel I feel like they're they're like, it's got to have a courtroom scene. And it that doesn't make any sense. It would have been one thing if if it was like they were threatening this kind of stuff. But then to like put her on trial and, and nothing there's there was no way that they were going to win. There's no moment where they're you know somebody is on the stand and it's like oh shit she does seem crazy yes because giving money to homeless people and trying to save stray cats that is what rich people who don't have anything to do tend to do with themselves to make themselves not feel bad about having an obscene amount of wealth yes i wouldn't know because i don't have that obscene amount of wealth but from what i've read that's what they do. So it would have been great if there was like a situation where, I don't know, she decides that she wants to drive or something and she crashes her car because she was like trying to save a cat or, you know, like there's some, there should be some misunderstanding action that she takes that could be read as, oh God, she's, she has dementia or she's, she's losing her grip. Exactly. But there isn't. She's obviously got all of her faculties. It's like the entire time. I don't know. Or uh, the, the private investigator could have gone to Andrew and like, hey, she's dying. I'll leak it to the press and force her to step down. <laughs> That's interesting. That's something. And then he has a revelation as well. He's like, do I really want to be doing this? Yeah. Whatever. Who cares? This movie was boring. It took me multiple times to get through it. Sorry, folks. Sorry to end the year on such a clanger. But uh, uh, I will this say this. I will say this. I did like, I don't know the version that you watched, Andrew, but I watched a version that had a slow crawl at the top. Yeah. That was like from the Loretta Lynn uh, fan club. <laughs> or Loretta the, Young. The Loretta, yeah, the, the crawl basically said uh that like the Loretta Young Society is providing this film because it's not released on DVD or Blu-ray, and there's no way to get it. So they're like, no copyright infringement that's intended. The, that's the last sentence. No copyright infringement intended, which I love as a criminal defense to be like, I'm committing a crime. But I didn't want to commit a crime. Look, you forced my hand by not releasing this middling Christmas movie from 1986. 
That isn't even as interesting as the one that we watched about a guy trying to bang a prostitute. Technically, technically, you're the ones on trial. Yeah, you're a monster. (laughs) Arrest yourselves. What was the one that we watched where the guy, the sad man? The Christmas wife. Oh, man, that was sad. (laughs) That that's one where you were just like. I still think about that movie sometimes. That movie, yeah, that movie hurts. Jason Robards just being incredibly depressed for 90 straight minutes. And then being like, yeah, the guy pimped out his wife. The big reveal at the end, the guy's like, yeah, I wanted you to fuck my wife. He paid 500 bucks and they couldn't find anyone else. So he's like, yeah, I guess you can fuck my wife. (laughs) What a messed up movie. And and he didn't, but like he could have. And she thought about it at least. Go, w- listener, as we as we wrap up the year. By the way, this is our last episode for the year. Uh, go back and listen to the the Christmas Wife, which is a much that a really much, tells you what what the world is right now. Uh, it, that's an interesting that is incredibly interesting if you don't actually don't watch it listen to the episode because we tend to we, we put a buffer between the, the harshness of that movie and and uh what what's going on in the world but uh that's a much better christmas movie to end the year on more than anything else Well, Mark, uh, we've come to our at the end of our 2021 journey here. We're going to take a couple weeks off before we hit the road and put wheels to rubber. Rubber meets the road. Some other metaphor that yeah, we're explains. Going on, we're going on tour. We're going right? on tour. <laughs> we're going to Maine. We're going to Iowa. We're going to be in Iowa. Yeah. yeah! Uh, we'll have a new topic next month, but. Uh, no, 2021 is over, said and done with. Uh, what do you think, Mark? How, how's it going with you? How are we feeling for 2022? Andrew, I believe I owe you at least $50 for a previous bet about a union vote. You do. Uh, and then I think whatever this bet about which year was going to be better or worse probably owe you for that one that's 21 dollars. you made a very specific cheeky bet of 21 dollars. charming so the next time i see you i'm probably gonna give you 71 dollars. all right all right that's i guess 2022 no, you win be, 2022 is gonna be pretty pretty fucking cool 2021 however mess absolute mess sorry everybody uh and and, and also make it better Mark, because I'm under the impression, because I'm looking at the calendar here, we're going to be off for a couple weeks uh, uh, for Christmas and then New Year's. And then uh, you you sent me a private email saying you had something to do on the 6th of January, which I was, I was like, it was like an anniversary or something like that. I didn't, oh, you'll I didn't find re- out. I didn't realize that you were you you were in a relationship, but I, I guess that's that's fun. I'm in um, a very, very important relationship with America. <laughs> You're taking a, a road trip of some kind, it seems. Yes, and you'll you'll find out where oh, I am. Don't you, you worry. You'll 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 see me on TV. Don't worry. Uh, if you'd like to listen to past episodes as you and uh, hopefully enjoy the holidays with 
loved ones as much as we can here in 2021. Uh, you can do that by going to soundcloud.com forward slash TV movie night podcast. You can follow us on iTunes and leave a review there. That'd be an incredible gift to help us get through these fucking holidays. Uh, you can also subscribe to us on Spotify. You can also subscribe to us on Stitcher. Stitcher. Stitcher, which allows you to stream podcasts directly to your smartphone. You can also subscribe to us and follow us on facebook.com forward slash TV movie night. Or you can email us your incredible Christmas wishes at TV movie night podcast at gmail.com. All that information and more. SoundCloud. SoundCloud.com forward slash TV movie night podcast. Mark, is there anything else? Andrew, I like all the great heroes. Um, Achilles, Odysseus, mm-hmm. yep, Arthur, yeah, the Ardvark, yeah, Edward, yeah, uh, Gilgamesh. Mm-hmm. I am gonna do what all great heroes do. Uh, Loretta y- Lynn from this movie. Loretta Young, yes. Loretta Young from this movie. I'm gonna L- do Loretta, what all great Loretta Lynn, do. the country singer, yes. I'm gonna do what all great heroes do. I'm gonna pay someone else to do the work for me. God, God bless it. God bless you, Mark. <laughs>